the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all those up through the 10th grade please come forward. Come over here so I can see y'all. Good to see you all. Come on. I won't, I won't bite, I promise. I promise I won't bite, okay? <laughs> so, what were the Bible lessons about today? Well, let me ask you this. Has your mom or dad ever called, like they're in the kitchen and you're in the living room playing games? Or, have they ever called you? Huh? Huh? Judith, come here. Penelope, come here. They ever called you? Your mom or dad ever call you like that? Yeah? Your daddy does? Uh-huh. Your mom, your mom ever call you like that? Yeah? Maybe your dad? Was that what he said? Your daddy might? Yeah. Your daddy too? Well, you know what? Jesus did that. Jesus? Jesus? God? Jesus, the Son of God? He called, in the first reading today, he called Abraham. And he said, Abraham. I think Abraham was in his house. And he said, I want you to leave your home. And I want you to leave your country. And I want you to go to another place. And I will make you a great nation. God called Abraham. And then the psalm says that God has chosen all of us. And then the gospel says Matthew's Matthew's sitting at his workplace. And Jesus comes along and says, Matthew, follow me. Like he might come to you and say, Jeremy, follow me. Jesus might say that to you. Jeremy, follow me. Hmm? Yeah, Joan, follow me, Jesus might say. Right? Right? Follow me. And so what do we do? We just sit there or do we go follow? We go follow. Okay, so we know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, right? And we know the Holy Spirit is in us, right? We've just gone through those seasons, and we've learned about all that again. So the Holy Spirit is in us. So when God calls us, he usually operates through the Holy Spirit within us. So do we, do we again, do we just sit there, or do we go where he tells us to go? We go where he tells us to go. And how do we, how do we hear him calling? Through the Holy Spirit, but what? How, so, what can we do to help the Holy Spirit speak through us? Who? Yeah. You, you don't know. Okay. So, 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 what about reading the Bible? 
What about when, when we read the Bible? Do you think God speaks to us when we read the Bible? So God might tell us if you're, if you're going through something or even if you're just kind of bored and you pick up the Bible and, you hear, and, and, the, and those words really speak to you or you hear it read up here on Sunday mornings or at home with your parents, maybe the Lord is speaking to you that way. And say, and he might not be saying, follow me, but he might be giving you an answer to, to a question you might be asking. Or he might be leading you in a direction that maybe you didn't know you needed to be led. Or he might, if you're having a problem with a friend, maybe when you're hearing the scripture and, it's, and, and there's something in there that speaks to you about what to do, bless you, about that relationship with your friend. Yeah. Your daddy, bless you. So, <laughs> he's all right. He's all right. He's speaking in tongues. <laughs> That's not funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> just, re I just remember this. Just re okay, you're right. It's not funny. Just remember this. Jesus calls us. You don't have to be Matthew and you don't have to be Abraham. He calls all of us. Yeah. He calls all. He calls you. He calls you. Great. He calls you. Bethany, he calls you. He calls all of us. Each and every one of us. Listen. Listen. Okay? Okay. Listen for Jesus' voice. Okay? All right. If you want to go get a packet from... Miss Warner over there, you can get a packet in color while I preach the big people sermon. Don't do that. <laughs> You're gonna get a packet. Thank you. Oh, careful. There you go. I don't see any new people here today, so I don't have to explain the reason for my humor or, or lack thereof. But I am going to start with some church bulletin bloopers, bloopers which have been found in church bulletins over time and in all locations. So first, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. Our youth basketball team is back in action Wednesday at 8 p.m. in the Recreation Hall. Come out and watch us kill Christ the King. <laughs> Miss Charlene Mason saying, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on water. The sermon this evening, searching for Jesus. 
The rector will preach his farewell message after which the choir will sing, break forth into joy. Next Sunday, a special collection will be taken to defray the cost of the new carpet. All those wishing to do something on the new carpet will come forward and do so. A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. <laughs> That's the first one you laughed out loud on, Phil, I'll tell you. The senior choir invites any members of the congregation who enjoys sinning to join the choir. Three more. Please place your donation in the envelope along with the deceased person you want remembered. <laughs> I don't think y'all got that one. This afternoon there will be a meeting in the north and south ends of the church. Children will be baptized at both ends. <laughs> then the last one, this being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. On to the sermon. Two people approached Jesus with faith that day by the Sea of Galilee. Two people believed that Jesus could help them. And two people received much more than they ever expected because Jesus is always greater than our expectations. One was a man named Jairus, very prominent citizen, a ruler of the synagogue. The other was a woman with a chronic hemorrhage. All three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all sandwich this story of the woman with the hemorrhage in between the story of Jairus. Both of these people, Jairus and the woman with the chronic hemorrhage, trusted that Jesus was their help in their time of need. Both fell at his feet in desperation and both received more from Jesus than they ever dared to ask. As we put all three synoptic stories together, we find that Jairus was waiting for Jesus as his boat came ashore. A large crowd had gathered and as soon as Jesus got out of the boat, Jairus fell at his feet. Sir, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sir, my little daughter is dying. Please come quickly. She's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her. And I'm sure she will be well again. Please, please hurry. And he took Jesus by the arm and he led him half walking, half running toward the house. And I'm sure the crowd was huge. The people followed and pressed in upon Jesus. They couldn't move. They could barely breathe. Jesus was like an ambulance caught in rush hour traffic on the way to the hospital. The lights are flashing and the sirens are sounding, but there's nowhere to go. Jairus pleaded and he pushed, please let us through, my little girl is dying. 
but the crowd was too dense. Time slipped away. In the crowd was a woman. She had been sick for the last 12 years, as many years as Jairus' little daughter was old. This woman suffered from a chronic hemorrhage. She'd been to all the doctors, to all the specialists. She took, they took her money, but only made things worse. She tried all kinds of remedies, all kinds of potions, all kinds of quack cures. Twelve long years she suffered like this. The Levitical law said that a woman with a hemorrhage was unclean. That meant she had to stand with the Gentiles outside the temple. She couldn't worship with the women of her community. For 12 long years, she was cut off from her people because of her illness. She'd heard the rumors of Jesus, reports of his healing the sick and casting out devils. She had heard that Jesus was coming, and she thought to herself, he can help me. I won't bother him. He wouldn't want me to touch him anyway. I'm unclean, but I'll just sneak up behind him in the crowd, and all I have to do is touch his robe, and I will be well. And so the woman worked her way through the crowd. She could see Jesus and the people around him trying to push their way through the crowd. They seemed to be in a hurry. They seemed to be wanting to get somewhere. But she managed to get close, right up to Jesus, close enough to touch him. And she reached out her hand. Her fingertips brushed against the fabric of his robe. And at once she felt a surge of life flow into her. She felt full of energy like she hadn't felt in the last 12 years. It worked. She was healed. She knew it. She wanted to jump up and down, shout it out loud, throw her arms around Jesus, but she was afraid. No, she was terrified. Who is this man? She wondered as she stared at the hand that had touched his robe. She had experienced the power of God in the flesh of Jesus. The power of Jesus is God's power to work life, to work freedom, to work peace. Jesus immediately stopped. He looked around. Someone had touched him. He sensed that power had gone out of him. Who touched me? His eyes darted from one face to the next in the crowd. Who touched me? Jairus and the disciples, they try to push Jesus along to keep him moving. What, what do you mean who touched you? Look at all these people around you. Everyone's trying to touch you. Who cares who touched you? We need to get going. Please, please hurry. But Jesus, he wouldn't move until he confronted the person who touched him in faith. He kept looking around intently, searching, studying the crowd. He would have no anonymous healings. 
He is not a vending machine dispensing miracles on demand. Jesus wanted more than to simply heal the woman of her hemorrhage. You know, that part was easy. A touch of his robe, that's all it took. But Jesus wanted to single her out, to speak to her, to reach out to her, to give her more than she had already received from him. Who touched me? And finally, she stepped forward, shaking, sobbing, falling at his feet. Lord, it was me. I'm the one who touched you. I'm sorry. I was sick and out of money, and the doctors, they couldn't do anything. And I thought, all I have to do is touch his robe, and I will be healed. I shouldn't have, but I didn't know what else to do. And Jesus reached down to her, and he lifted her eyes to his, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Be healed. He called her daughter. She now belongs. She now has a place in the community of Israel again. He praises her faith, faith that dares to sneak up behind Jesus to borrow a bit of his healing power when he wasn't looking. And Jesus recognizes that faith and he praises that faith. He blesses her and heals her with his words and now she could trust him with her whole life. She could approach him without fear because he said so. She wouldn't have to sneak up on Jesus the next time she got sick or when she died. She came to Jesus to be healed and received so much more from him. She received life and salvation. Jesus saved her. There's always more with Jesus. And you know what? Jesus does the same thing with us. He touches us in the waters of baptism and we become the church. We become the body of Christ, which is an extension of the incarnation of God. We are the hands and feet of God on earth. He touches us in the Lord's Supper, which in itself is also an extension of the incarnation, God coming down in the real presence. The word and the sacraments are his robe where we may touch him and be healed of our sin, of our death. It is in the word and the sacraments where he speaks to us, creating faith, enlarging faith, feeding faith, praising and upholding faith. Son, daughter, you are baptized. You are forgiven. Here's my body broken for you. Here's my blood shed for you. Go in peace. Be healed. Your faith has saved you. Every time we come to the altar, as we live out the promises of our baptism, the world refuses to believe this kind of thing. Otherwise, the world would be busting down the doors of the church trying to get in on these gifts that God gives us. And we don't always fully believe either. Otherwise, we would be as hungry for the Lord's Supper and as eager for his word as we are for perhaps the latest pill or the latest medical gimmick or the latest 
food fad, which promises health and life. No matter how many pills we take, no matter how many doctors we go to, no matter how many diets we try, no matter how much money we spend dodging death, folks, we're all going to die. And only Jesus has the cure for that, his own death, his own resurrection. That's the power that healed the woman that day, and that's the power which brings healing to us. The crowd and and the woman, they delayed Jesus on his way to the house of Jairus. And the delay, it proved costly. Messengers came with the news. His little girl was dead. They were too late. No need to bother the teacher any longer. There's nothing more he can do now. But Jesus, he was oblivious to this news. He seemed to ignore this news. He looked straight at Jairus. He said, you trusted me when your little girl was sick. Trust me now that she's dead. Do not fear. Just believe. And this is the faith point I was speaking about. The point where God takes faith and stretches it around a larger gift for which we even dare to ask. We wonder why God seems to say no all the time. We've all heard it. We've all asked the question, why does God delay? Why is he so slow to answer my prayers? Why does he permit bad things to happen without any explanation? Why all these incurable diseases? Why do children die? He stretches, he enlarges our faith to receive greater gifts for which we even dare to ask. A woman sought healing from a hemorrhage. Jesus gave her salvation. Jairus wanted Jesus to heal his daughter's sickness. Jesus raises her from the dead. He stretches the arms of our faith wide to receive him. He permits us to lose everything, our money, our health, our dignity. He permits us to be driven to the edge of despair, to the edge of hopelessness. And he says to us, do not fear. Believe in me. Trust me. I hung on a cross for you. I rose from the dead for you. I reign at the Father's right hand for you. You trusted me with the little things. Trust me now. Jesus went into Jairus' house with Peter and James and John. The flute players and the mourners, they were already out at the house, weeping and wailing for this little girl. And Jesus heard the noise and he saw all the people. What is all this commotion about? Why the weeping and the wailing? This little girl isn't dead. She's asleep. And they laughed at Jesus. Jesus goes into the little girl's room with her parents. He approaches her still body. And he takes her by the hand and speaks softly to her the way a father might gently wake his little girl up from sleep. Talitha Kumi. Little girl, get up. 
And in the power of Jesus' gentle word, she gets up. She rises from her deathbed as if she were getting up from sleep. He orders her something to eat and says, don't tell anyone about this, at least not for the moment, because there was more. First, he had to die and be resurrected because there's always more with Jesus. Jesus has done for us what he did for that little girl. He raises us from death in our baptism. He gives us something precious to eat in his supper. Once we were dead, now we are alive in Jesus. And still there's more to come. Resurrection and eternal life. Always more. So touch his garment and trust his word. Do not fear. Just believe. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.